Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everybody. This is Rick Thomas and Life Over Coffee. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I've titled it, it's episode 453, if you want to check out the short show notes, but I titled it, Speaking to the Injustices in Our Culture. We live in a mad world. I'm not sure if there's any place that you can go on our planet where people are just not angry. Uh, possibly you can go off the grid in a few spots, but they're really isolated. It's not realistic. And so no matter where you are, uh, it's a mad, mad world. And it's really unfortunate. And it seems like things have really heightened over the past decade and a half. I'm sure it has something to do with technology. God did not build us to be omnipotent. Uh, We are finite containers, but we are cramming so much information into our minds that it is affecting our souls. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people who have platforms, have megaphones, they have voices, and they really don't have the ability to be able to communicate well, or they have agendas that are really just not helpful, and they're looking to... They're looking to satisfy some deep longing even in their own souls, and they use their platform, they use social media to do that. And it's really unfortunate. It is sad, but it's also divisive, and it it continues to stir up hate. And that's why I say we live in a mad world. And so what I want to share with you is not going to be exhaustive by no means, uh, but it probably won't even be satisfying to some of you. Uh, because it's impossible for in one little talk like this to communicate all the things that are necessary to speak into the madness of our culture. But God has given me a platform, and we reach hundreds of thousands of people every single month, and I am motivated. I am compelled to be able to share what I believe God's Word teaches about how how to live well with other people. And so I just want to share a few thoughts with you. Again, this is episode 453, speaking to the injustices in our culture. And I trust that God will speak to you, that you will Uh, that he will nudge your heart, that the Spirit of God would illuminate your mind and and maybe give you a a course, a direction that you can take and and where you can make a difference in this world too, and hopefully it will help to bring down the heat just a little bit. It's important that we just start at the beginning if we're going to talk about injustice. Since Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, there have been injustices And it's vital to recognize that we live in a fallen world, not a utopian one. And those are the two competing, primary competing worldviews uh, that people are inherently fallen, totally depraved. We live in a fallen world. That would be my worldview. There are other people that believe that, that humans are inherently good and that we can, through our own ingenuity and inventiveness, create a utopian world. And so those are the two primary uh, worldviews that compete against one another. But the fact that you're not going to live in an utopian world, I think think it's really obvious to anyone if we just stop long enough to think about it that there is fallenness all around us and in us. Now that's not a fatalistic or overly pessimistic or negative message. It's just a realistic one. 
But it's important that if we don't begin from a point of reality that wherever we head to, we're not going to get to a proper place. And even the process of getting there uh, is going to be marred because our presupposition, our starting point was off the track. And so as you look at your own world, I mean, for those of you who are married, I mean, you know this, uh, trying to create a utopian utopian universe and getting married or similar that way, thinking that it will be happily ever after without defeats, setbacks, or injustices. It's just not realistic. And if we set up an unreachable standard, well, this is set up for disappointment and it can lead to responses that can never hit that mark, only making things worse. We We just double down. We just try harder that we're going to create a perfect world but we're not. It is not going to happen. Some folks have a misguided idealism, but this is really where I want you to start here in this episode, is that we can't primarily focus on them. Uh, That is really one of the biggest issues in our culture. Everybody is the problem outside of me, and that is where we begin when we start dealing with our problems. I am not suggesting that we don't ignore other people. We don't ignore other things around us. In fact, my call to you in this episode will be to engage your culture, wherever it may be. Engage those people who are right in front of you. But we have to start with our own selves. And so it would be more appropriate for us to ponder how to respond to our culture rather than getting caught up in the injustice trap. And so I want to begin this way, and I'll just say it flatly and plainly. Everybody discriminates. People discriminate against people. I don't see that as a bad bad thing. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. I know it is in some ways, but it doesn't have to be. See, there's two ditches here. You can discriminate the wrong way, or you can try to set up a, a culture that doesn't discriminate at all, and that is absolutely impossible. And so we have to stay out of both ditches. There is no world that we are going to live in where people do not discriminate. But we can try to live in a world where people discriminate without hating other people. People are treated differently based on preferences and prejudices. That doesn't have to be a problem. I mean, we have our favorite kind of person that we like to be around. I mean, you scan the landscape of humanity, and there are certain people that you just naturally gravitate to. To gravitate to people that you don't naturally gravitate to, you would have to change your psyche, your DNA. You would have to change so much about you, how God made you. He made us unique. There are 8 billion different people on this sphere, and because of that uniqueness, we are naturally going to gravitate to a certain kind of person, and that doesn't have to be wrong. We are tribal, we need need our community, and we gravitate toward our tribe. Churches are full of people who pick and choose their friends. And again, 
We have many different kinds of churches. When we try to force fit and, and make every church the same across the planet as though we are going to evenly and naturally gravitate to every human across the planet, those are two impossibilities. And so we discriminate. There are kinds of people that I get along with and I enjoy being with them. This will be a shocker to you, but there are some people that don't enjoy my company. There are some people who don't, they would not walk across the street to listen to my podcast or to watch a video of me on it. By the way, I'm one of those people. I discriminate against myself. I wouldn't walk across the street to hear me teach. I don't enjoy listening to me teach. You think this is easy? After I finish a podcast or finish a video, it goes into post-production and I have to watch and listen to it and check it, even though I'm not the one that does the post-production, but I'm part of the quality control. And so I have to hear myself and I do not find that an, an enjoyable experience. We all discriminate. The world we live in is not set up for every person to accept every person equally and at all times. If you are married, you chose your spouse over other options. There were millions, billions of possibilities. Maybe you've narrowed it down to two, three, or four. You go to your local church and you're single as I was. I went to our local church, I think it was like July the 24th, 1994, right in there, and that was my first Sunday at this local church. I went to the singles group. What did I do? I started discriminating. I scanned uh, the available women in that room. Now, we were studying Philippians 2, and I enjoyed the study in Philippians chapter 1, but I also enjoyed the other benefits. There were ladies there. There were possibilities, and so I began to discriminate. And after I checked out all the women, I was not quite satisfied. And then just a little bit later, after class began, I saw something go across the window. And eventually she came into our classroom. And on 1035 in the morning, of all the churches in all the world, Lucia walked into mine. We call her St. Lucia. She lives on island time. She was late that Sunday, and she's been late her entire life. She can't tell time because she lives on island time. That's another issue. I'll talk about it at another time. But when I saw her... I said, this is a possibility. What was I doing? I was rejecting every other woman in that class. If you have children, you love your children more than others. If there are two children that are drowning in the ocean and one of them is yours, you're going to discriminate. If you vote, you discriminate by picking one candidate over others. And as I give you this list, I am not saying that any of that is wrong. I am speaking realistically. We live in a discriminating world, and there is there are no other options but to pick, choose, be tribal, choose well, discriminate. Sports teams do this. They have drafts. What are they doing? They're choosing the person that they believe is the best for their team at this time in the life of this team. And they're rejecting everybody else. 
sports teams discriminate. And you could add a thousand more illustrations to this acceptance rejection construct. These are standard and accepted practices. But this reality, this truth, it becomes problematic when our acceptance and rejection practices are uploaded and laced with hate. And that is where we have to draw the line. We cannot hate other people. The Bible doesn't permit us to hate other people. And if you have hate in your heart, if your acceptance and rejection is based on because you hate an individual or a, a demographic, then there's something wrong with you. Uh, Speaking of injustice, many of you follow, have been following us for years, and you know parts of of my story. I have two brothers who were murdered at at two different times, 10 years apart, and I had to work through not having hate for those who murdered my brothers. I came from an abusive, physically and verbally abusive father, an authoritarian, heavy-handed, mean dad. There's no other way to describe it. Five out of five boys voted that he's the meanest dad that we know. And all five of us struggled, even in our adult life. But I had to work through uh, what he did to us. It was not just. It was not fair. And God mercifully has brought me to the place that I don't have hate in my heart for those two individuals who murdered my brothers, and I don't have hate in my heart for my dad. Now, that took a lot of work to get to that place, but I'm sharing that with you to to communicate to you that I know this is not easy, but also know it's not acceptable. I don't care if you discriminate. I don't care if you if you just never listen to my podcast again or watch the video. I hardly care about that. But but one thing you can't do is you can't hate me and I cannot hate you. That is the line. That is the difference. These are the two ditches. Discriminate, yes. Pick your tribe. Pick those that you're comfortable with. And even challenge yourself at times. Choose those that maybe you're not comfortable with and grow and change and mature. Who knows? Uh, You may find that you learn to love them too, and that's fantastic. And perhaps you've had that experience. But what we cannot do, though we discriminate, we cannot go to this other ditch and hate people. And so it's important that, that we understand that we never have that right. And so, again, while you can make a case for selecting your associations, you can't make a case for hating. Now, you may hate what they do, but a mantra that says, I can select who or what I want to select within a proper moral framework while not hating on anyone, that has to be foundational for working through our problems. I have an infographic in these show notes. I would encourage you to go to episode 453. And that that infographic talks about uh, devaluing fellow image bearers. 
and it would be good. You can have the graphic, by the way, and you can use it as you wish. But that infographic, I'm looking at it here on the screen, is called Devaluing Image Bearers. And there's two uh, verses on the graphic. One is James 3, verses 9 and 10. And James says, with the tongue, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. That's an important understanding about what humanity is, who created them and how they are created. They are created in the image of God. And that should really give us a hard reset of what we can and can't do. We're messing with God's creation, and we want to be careful with how we talk about and engage and interact with God's creation. The other verse on this graphic is Ephesians 4.29, and it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths, but only such as good for building up. And so I said earlier that, there has to be a reasonable framework uh, for us to accept and to discriminate. And that, that reasonable moral framework, well, there's two verses there that help us to create that moral framework that we don't hate on anybody because they're made in the image of God and that we want to make sure that our communication builds up, that it doesn't corrupt. Now, some will say, well, what about if they do evil things to you? Well, I've just given you three illustrations of that. I do not hate the two, the two people who murdered my brothers, and I do not hate my dad. I hate what they did. I, ha I hate what they did with all of my heart. But they are image bearers, and I've gone to a place from, from uh, disliking them. I don't use the word hate, by the way. Uh, it is rare for me to use the word hate. I've used it more in this podcast than any other than all the other podcasts combined because that's just not a word that I use. I save that word selectively. Uh, the word is overused in my view, and if I'm going to use the word hate, I really want it to mean something, and so I, I don't use the word hate. And, and so I don't hate them. Uh, I struggled with them for a long time. Uh, but God uh, began to turn my heart as image bearers and what they did, I hate profusely, but I began to pity them. Uh, I began, and then I began to pray for them because a person that would do what they did, whether it was murder or physical abuse, they are broken. Those are broken people. Something is broken inside of them. Total depravity has taken them to places that you probably have never been, and I most definitely have never been. And so rather than uh, making it all about me and what they have done to me or what they have done to our family, uh, I began to feel pity for them because something is broken inside of them. And so rather than using up my energy to hate them, it would be better for me to use my energy to pray for them. Who knows? God may impose himself into their lives and regenerate them. Wouldn't that be fantastic to stand in heaven with two people who murdered two of your family members? If you make it to heaven, if I make it to heaven, we will be standing there looking at the one that we put to death on the cross. 
Paul the Apostle will be there with many people that he consented for their deaths as well. And so there is a precedent for this, and there is grace for this. And so rather than being angry at what a person does, we can see them as fellow image bearers and ask God to give us a heart to pray for them. And that will also govern our speech where we will not have corrupting communication, but God would give us a heart for them, uh, to love them. Now, love, again, is very broad. Love could be confronting them. Love could be rebuking them. Uh, We don't want to make that love mistake and think that love uh, is coddling them. Love is uh, accepting all that they do. That's not love. That is actually enabling them uh, in ways and, and lifestyles that is just not appropriate. And so I can pity them and love them, which may be confronting them. And so we have to live in this middle space and this middle space again doesn't permit uh, i mean it permits us to discriminate but it doesn't permit us to hate now in that middle space is just not satisfying it is a broad middle ground between my freedom to exercise my uh, preferences while not hating on anyone and that middle space is full of landmines And this is where all of us are going to struggle to different degrees because there is no satisfying answer. For example, in determining the correct worldview or the path forward in this middle space, I mentioned two competing, two primary competing worldviews earlier. There is a utopian worldview. And then there's then my worldview that says that we live in a fallen world and we're totally depraved. And so those are two competing worldviews in this middle space. I will suggest that a Christian presuppositional worldview is the right one. But as soon as I make that suggestion, I am met with anger and hate speech. Do you see the problem? Do you sense the impasse? Well, who gives you the right to choose the kind of world that we will live in? Well, Jesus said it this way in John 15. He says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And so I can live with the the untidy reality that I will be hated, uh, but I have to work through that in this middle space. I can't make them love me, but they can't stop me from loving them. And so my view automatically creates rejection while giving the person asking the question the right to choose the basis for figuring out the path that we should take. And so now they are the ones that have the authority. They are the ones that choose the path because they reject my worldview. And so again, we're just going to live in this tension. I've got enough sense to know that my worldview will not be the driving one. Uh, the Christocentric worldview will not be the predominant worldview in this world. I mean, Jesus, Jesus had a problem with it, as I was just sharing with you as he was talking in, in John. 
but I still plan to go to my grave sharing my perspective with anyone who will listen while rejecting any other worldview that tries to subvert mine. Now, hopefully, I will do this humbly and graciously and wisely. I trust that will be my approach to work through this conundrum that we have. And I trust that God would give you the courage to do the same. Know what you believe. And I know that that 99% of my audience is Christian. And so you are beholding to a Christian presupposition. That is your starting point. That is the window through how you see the world. And that's how you would like for the world to be. And so I don't want you to self-censor yourself. I don't want you to cancel yourself. Too many of us are doing that because we are scared uh, because of the hate and the rejection that comes this way. But if you're going to stand for anything, as a Christian, you will stand against the zeitgeist, the spirit of this age. And so there will be conflict that will come back to you. But I trust that you would ask God to give you the grace to have the courage uh, to be able to speak. And we should speak humbly. Uh, We should speak graciously. We should speak courageously. And we should speak wisely. But we should speak. We should always speak. And we can do that by honoring these fellow image bearers, by discriminating. My worldview is better than your worldview, but I will not be unkind to you. I will speak in a way, I will engage in such a way that I trust that will be redemptive. However, I will speak with courage and sometimes I will speak against the very thing that you believe. But there is a way of doing that while also recognizing that it doesn't matter what you say to some people. As long as you stand for your worldview, they are going to stand against it, and some of them will do that harshly, but we still must go forward. And so here are a couple of summary points to episode 453. Number one, I've set myself up to be rejected and even hated by some people because of what I believe and practice. Number two, No matter who you are, no matter what you believe, Christian or non-Christian, somebody, some people will reject you. And so it doesn't matter on one level. I mean, you could be a non-Christian and there will be people that will hate you. Now, that is sad to me because one of the things that really grieves my soul is how Christians communicate specifically online, even more specifically on Twitter. I have friends, I have people that I know, and I I read their threads on on Twitter and and other places as well, and it's just harsh, unkind, it's not gracious, it's not courageous at all. In many of these cases, it's cowardice people who are using the internet, the disinhibition effect, uh, to where they have no social filter but they don't have the courage or the grace to communicate uh, properly. And that that grieves me as much or more uh, than those people who reject Christ and do all kinds of ungodly things. The Christian community, uh, we, we have a ways to go. We have a lot of dirty laundry, and you can see it all over the Internet. But my point here is it doesn't matter which where you stand, somebody is going to hate you. And so you really have to come to terms with that. 
but you can't run and hide. And unfortunately, too many of our brothers and sisters do, and they will just not speak out against it. Point number three, everyone will not agree on how to get along. There will always be these competing presuppositional worldviews. Point number four, recognize that God made all people in his image, and we must respect each image bearer. Now, this is when Paul talked about this, there's a familiar passage in Romans 12. He said it this way, if possible. Now, I like the conditional statement, if possible, so far as it depends on you. And that is really my bottom line. As much as it depends upon you, there'll be some situations where it just you, you can't do anything about it. As I was saying, it doesn't matter where you stand. Somebody uh, will reject or hate you. But if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is episode 453. I'm speaking to the injustices in our culture. I am only moving down a tight space. I realize that it is a broad spectrum and I could not cover all the aspects of it, but this was on my heart and this is what I wanted to share with you. Let me finish with just a couple of questions. Number one, the tension that we have here brings us to a place to where we have to decide how we respond to the unresolvable inequity in our culture. Are you going to throw a rock at someone or will you work humbly and redemptively to bring change? And so my appeal to you is not to sit back, but to communicate with the gifts that God has given you, the experience that he has given you, the knowledge that you have of scripture, and the means, the tools, the peripherals that you have to be able to communicate uh, in a humble, wise, courageous way where you're loving image bearers, but you're taking a stand for what you believe. And so the question is, are you going to throw a rock at someone or will you work humbly and redemptively to bring change. Number two, you cannot sit back and let things be as they are. Things are fluid, not static. And so the river is running. Now, how do you want to divert the water? Which way do you want it to go? And so what will you do to make a difference in your culture? If God has pinpointed something in your mind and you're thinking about it, will you do that thing? Will you use whatever means necessary? It may, maybe it has nothing to do with being online like what I do. But in your local church, in your neighborhood, in your community, how can you make a difference in somebody's life? Number three, we cannot hate other people. Hating other people is unchristian. And so is there something you need to change to have a greater love for unlovable folks? Now, I am not saying that that will be easy. I've illustrated with the two people who murdered my brothers and with my father. I, I did not just turn on a switch and start loving these people automatically. It doesn't work that way. Some hurt, some injustice can be very deep uh, in our lives, and it can really affect us for a long period. But we need to determine, uh, I need to change. I can't hate 
people. It is unacceptable to hate image bearers. And so is there is there something that you need to do to begin a process of having a greater affection for people who are unlovable? By the way, the starting point for that is, is to recognize uh, that God loved us while we were sinners. We were the unlovables. And so there has been a precedent. And so we want to imitate that gospel truth in the lives of other people that we come uh, that, that we engage. Let me finish by sharing a passage of scripture that from 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, it's a little bit lengthy, but it is really outstanding. Uh, talking about injustices, talking about dim- discrimination, talking about hierarchies and difference. Peter said this, servants be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 uh, through 25. Uh, this, uh, pot, this episode is uh, episode 453, speaking to the injustices in our culture. I have links throughout these show notes. I have articles and videos and podcasts that you can go to. And you can go throughout our coffee shop, lifeovercoffee.com. And there is a lot of resources on culture, on race relations, on relationships, on reconciliation, on repentance. There are a lot on forgiveness, unforgiveness, on hate, so forth and so on. And for those of you who are interested in receiving training from our ministry, again, go to lifeovercoffee.com and you can click on the courses in the navigation bar. It's in the upper right. And if you would click on the courses, uh, you can see uh, the training that we do offer. And if you would like to learn how to do biblical counseling or do discipleship, Uh, We would love to train you. Our training is all online, and so you can do it in your coffee shop or uh, in your home. But check out those courses and join our student body, and it would be our pleasure uh, to be able to help you. Uh, If you are a supporting member of our site, then we have a private forum that you can go on, and that's where we engage our friends in our supporting community. I would also appeal to you, if you can, help help uh, 
maybe make a donation uh, one time or a recurring do- donation. Or if you want to become a supporting member, you can give that way. Plus, as a supporting member, you can access our private forums where we can dialogue with each other. God is doing a good work through Life Over Coffee, and if you could help us financially, I would really appreciate your generosity. And then if we could help you in training, just check out the courses and uh, see which course, what you would like to do, and, and we would love to be able to walk you through that as well. Thank you so much. Speaking to the injustices in our culture, God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.